0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of JB Warranties Trade Talk.
1: Brian here with JB Warranties on another episode of the Trade Talk podcast. Today, we've got part two in our three-part educational series. We've got the guys back, Patrick Lang from Business Modification Group and Brandon Boland from Libo Bank. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us again for part two. Excited to learn a little bit about what Brandon does today. For those for our viewers that didn't catch the first episode, would you guys mind introducing yourselves and kind of informing our listeners a little bit about what it is y'all
0: do? Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to. I guess I'll I'll go first. And and so for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Brandon Bowen. I'm the vice president for the service contractor lending team at Live Oak Bank. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be on the Trade Talk podcast today with JB Warranties um, and educate you all in a little bit about who we are, but mainly what our product is um, and how your company can use it to grow. Um, so Live Oak Bank, we're a weird bank. Most uh, banks have you know, five branches in a geographic area and lend to any consumer or business without really any specialization in any one product or any one industry. We're the exact opposite. We have one bank branch in North Carolina, but we lend in all 50 states because we have teams that focus on specific industries. So our service contractor lending team only focuses on HJC plumbing and electrical home service companies. So it means we already understand exactly what your business is when you come to us. You don't have to educate us on it. It makes the process easier. And we mainly focus on SBA 7A loans, which are small business administration, government guaranteed loans that allows us and other lenders, I'll tell you a secret. We're not the only SBA lenders. So if you don't like me, you can go somewhere else. Uh, but essentially what it allows us to do is provide financing based upon the cash flow of the business, your personal credit and resume, which essentially your access to financing is greater with an SBA loan than it is with a conventional loan. Beautiful. Uh, Patrick, Patrick. would you mind giving us. A
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I'll jump in, jump in now. Um, thank you guys for having us on again, too. I. I certainly enjoy the opportunity to come talk to everybody. My name is Patrick Lang. My company is business modification group. We specialize in the sale of heating and air companies around the country. Um, uh, there's I'll let you on a secret. There's other people who do what I do as well. Um, not many that I know that, that just do heating and air that's something to do with the trade certainly. And uh, so if you don't like me, there's other places you can go to as well, but uh once again, we, uh, my company specializes just in heating and air. We started; we're based in Florida, and uh, started in kind of the southeast, and have expanded nationwide now. I, I actually sell more companies outside of Florida than I do in the state of Florida, um, and uh, so we help people that are looking to retire or or move on to something else in their life, uh, value their business, take it to market, locate a buyer. Um, one of the things I say, my hardest part of my job is I'm I have to tell everybody that your business is for sale, but not let anybody know it's your business that's for sale. So everything we do is is confidential. And, and uh, most people don't want their employees or their competitors or their customers to know that they're for sale. And so we have to find creative ways to market, to bring top dollar in, uh, or at least what the market is currently paying top dollar uh, for companies. So I'm fortunate to work with Brandon on, on a lot of transactions and uh, obviously a lot of JB Warranties customers. Um, and, uh, so I'm excited to be here and, and have an opportunity hopefully to contribute.
1: Thank you, Patrick. And honestly, that I've never even thought about that. You do, you don't want your employees to know if you're shopping the business, uh, and nobody's ever, I've never heard that come up in conversation, to be honest. So, uh, that is interesting. Um, those of you that caught the first episode, you'll know that we did a, took a good look at what Patrick does in the, in the acquisition, the, the marketing of business of your business and how to, how to acquire Today we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive on the lending process with Brandon, how these projects get funded and and the types of tools available as far as the loans. Uh, And so with that, you mentioned the SBA 7A loan. Do I have that right, Brandon?
0: That is correct. The Small Business Administration's 7A loan program. So tell me, what is that? Because I I truly don't
1: know. I've never bought a business. And how is that different from like a conventional bank loan that you might uh,
0: pursue if you're looking to buy the guy down the street? Yeah, those are a great question. So when we got into the industry about two year or a little over two years ago, what we realized was that there's just a, a lack, there was no bank educating any business owner as to what they could use to grow their company, whether it was buying their real estate, working capital, or buying another business and what it would take. And I kind of liken it to if you're a business owner and you don't know what an SBA 7A loan is, that's okay because I'm a homeowner and I don't know anything about an air conditioning unit except for what the tech tells me. So if your local bank doesn't know what an SBA loan is and doesn't know how your company can use it, it's okay that you don't know. So as being one of the top SBA lenders in the country, what we want to do is get out and educate people that essentially what a small business administration loan is uh, in the 7A program is that it's a government guaranteed loan, and so the significance to you, the business owner, is that most banks are looking for collateral, right? If you want a bit to buy another heating and air company for a million dollars, there's probably no collateral there. They might have hundred thousand dollars of vehicles, most of the values in the goodwill, and your local bank might say, well, you have to, you know, you have to have a million dollars worth of equipment to secure the loan, or put thirty percent down, which are high hurdles. And so they're going to say, no, you actually don't get the loan to buy this other business. But with an SBA 7A loan, the focus is on the cash flow of the business, meaning when you're looking to acquire a company, we want to make sure the profits can repay the loan. And we really don't care about collateral because the government's insuring the majority of the loan. So we don't have to say you have to have a million dollars worth of equipment. We can say yes. And you probably don't have to put any money down. So if you're an existing business looking to expand that way, you're not going to have to put money down and the loan doesn't have to be fully secured, which means your access to financing and ultimately a yes to grow your company is greater than a conventional loan. And Brandon, um, are these SBA 7A loans, is this kind of a result of the recent stimulus bills or is, are these loans been around for a while now? So the SBA 7A program is actually an annual program. Um, where it's available every single year. It's not tied to COVID or anything like that. Now, PPP loans and EIDL loans are what brought SBA lending kind of to the forefront of everybody's mind because every business pretty much qualified for a PPP loan last year. But this is actually their normal program. And rather than helping your business out of a hole, it's actually there for you to grow your company via acquisition and a couple other avenues. So you mentioned, I guess it was the conventional
1: route of having the 30% down or the, the million dollars in, in assets. What are the barriers to entry on this, on this type of loan? Is it, is it lower? Is this something that, you know, what are they looking at as far as the approval process? What, what would a, one of our customers be going through? Is that something where they have to you talk with someone like Patrick to find out what they're worth before they get the loan? Or is, there, is it a little bit more streamlined
0: using these with the government loan? So that's, a, that's another good question. So when it relates to Patrick, I'd say most of the time when he's representing somebody, it's actually the seller. And we work together a lot, right? Where you have somebody who wants to buy a business and you have a seller who wants to sell their business. So at the bank, our customers, ultimately the buyer but patrick's also representing a seller and so if you've a company that's looking to buy another company that's being the seller's represented by patrick there's kind of three things that we look at as a bank to say yes or no on the deal the first thing is going to be business cash flow because we're not collateral based we want to make sure that whether either your business or the business you're looking to acquire are cash flow positive and can support any debt so that when we give you a million dollar loan to buy this company, it can repay it. We don't wanna put you in a bind where that business actually can't repay the million dollar loan because all of a sudden you're in trouble. So that's first and foremost, is we wanna make sure uh, we review your financials and make sure that you can repay the debt or the business you're looking to acquire can repay the debt. Next up is resume. Well, if you're a business owner of a home service company that's successful, that box is checked pretty easily. And then third is personal credit. So even though it's a business loan, We still do look at a borrower or a buyer's personal credit, generally looking for 660 and above, um, you know, a solid PFS. But the great thing is, is that you don't have to have a $2 million home owned free and clear to get a loan. That's not going to keep you from getting a loan. So you can have a modest, modest personal financial statement and still be approved for an SBA loan. Hmm.
1: So is there a limit or is there a a threshold that you must cross to be able to have a bank interested in doing this? Like if I just needed to, I guess, what is the typical size contractor you guys are focusing on or that are using these loans? Does it range? Is there a different loan that you use if you're buying a $50 million company versus a $2 million company? Or is it just, you guys see it all?
0: Yeah, so the actual, so as it relates to the sizing of the program, the maximum SBA loan amount you can get is $5 million. So I'd say, like, if you're looking to buy a company, you know, a, there might be a $10 million company in sales out there that might go for five million bucks, which you could qualify for. Um, but typically, if you're looking to buy a company worth $50 million, the purchase price of that business is actually going to be too high, where you'd have to get a conventional loan versus an SBA loan. It'd be a completely different structure. And as it relates to like our nor- our average size, so I actually looked at the numbers. And with most of our SBA loans being for business acquisitions, most the average purchase price or really the average loan amount is about $1.3 million. So that means if company A is buying company B to expand, on average, our portfolio is paying $1.3 million to buy that business. Um, So that's about our average loan size um, in terms of extending financing for acquisitions. And, and to quest, further question on that, you mentioned that most of the time your SBA loans are used for company acquisition. What could mm-hmm. a contractor use your SBA loan towards other than that? That's a, So interestingly enough, when people think of heating and air company or a plumbing companies, they think of a truck, right? But a lot of companies that are doing more than a million dollars in sales uh, have their own business, like their own lease or their own property that they own. So just like any other bricks and mortars business, a lot of times they like to buy their real estate that their company operates out of because one, they don't have to deal with a landlord and it also provides an opportunity to build equity in that property. And then when you want to go sell your business and you go to Patrick and say, Patrick, I need to, I want to list my company for sale. One, you can either sell your business and your real estate, or you can sell the business and you still own the real estate, which you can get passive income from. You know, forever um, to whoever bought your company. So it's kind of a twofold thing, but buying real estate for the business is one of the things we do, whether it's an existing property or buying land and building a 20,000 square foot facility, as well as working capital or refinancing existing business debt to, you know, improve your monthly cash flow. So
1: that's interesting because there are a lot of contractors I'm just thinking of off the top of my head who are leasing their space. Mm-hmm you can use this loan to buy the building. Is there a, uh, I mean, is that something that they would need a commercial real estate person for? Or can you guys, do you guys work with them to do that as well?
0: So typically people will, I'd I'd say most of the time they'll get like a commercial real estate broker uh, to help them with the purchase and like drawing up the purchase agreement. But very rarely do I actually end up talking to that person. It seems to be a pretty like not an easy process but especially if it's an existing building that they don't have to like do any renovations to and there's no like environmental concerns unlike most banks um or with a conventional loan right if you buy buy a building they're going to ask for 20% down so if you're buying a $1 million dollar building they're going to ask for $200,000 down and you get an $800,000 loan we're actually different we don't ask for any money down because it's an SBA loan meaning you can save your $200,000 and we'll give you a million dollar loan to buy the real estate. So you don't have to come out of pocket with that cash for that down payment. And we know how important keeping your cash is for HVAC companies and seasonality. So it allows you to expand without, you know, actually putting a down payment. Um, so it's a nice little product for buying real estate as well.
1: Hmm. So, okay. Uh, Typical approval process. I'm sure you, you handle this daily. Mm -hmm. Uh, how fast could someone move if, let's say, they worked with Patrick and found out a, a good number to list the business for? Uh, they even might know someone that's interested in buying, which I would think would be common. These guys, they network a lot. A lot of these guys are friendly with each other. Mm-hmm. Let's say they they may have lined up a buyer that's going to have to work with you to get approval. What does the process look like? How fast does it go? Any any uh, common items that that disqualify
0: yeah so i'd say overall i'll kind of talk about the overall process and timeline and what it looks like from a business perspective and then i have two examples that kind of highlight one type of customer and another i mean one of them definitely involves you know patrick very heavily and how the business the transaction actually goes down but overall typically we send out an application to a prospective customer um, if they turn it de- around and sending the documents back really quickly, if I can do the deal, I can send them a proposal letter in about a day and then they can turn around and send that back to me. It goes to underwriting, which is where we do a little bit of deep analysis of the whole project. That takes about five to seven business days and then the loan goes to our credit team for approval. So typically from the time you get a loan proposed on and sent back to, into underwriting to the time it actually gets approved is a little less than two weeks. So it's pretty quick. You know whether or not you're going to get the money to grow your company. And then from there, if it's a business acquisition, you have to go into closing, which is where, you know, purchase agreements get signed if they haven't been signed already. You know, we make sure insurance is our place, um, you know, life insurance, all types of details I won't get into. And that typically takes about 30 to 45 days. If you're buying real estate, it's going to be about 40 to 60 um, just because appraisals and third party reports can take a lot longer, that's kind of like the overall process. So typically from proposal to funding, you know, on a a really quick deal, you could look at, you know, 45 days on average, it's probably 60 to 90, just because you have a lot of moving parts and the seller might be taking a while or buyer might take a while or um, what have you. Um, But a specific type of situation that comes up a lot where, um, which is another, great reason to work with somebody like Patrick is that Patrick has a connection with the bank that, I mean, I think as far as I know, we're the only bank that has a home services division. And so Patrick will say, okay, he he essentially pre-qualifies your business saying it can be sold at this price. And then he'll go to us and say, hey, Brandon, I've got this really nice business in Florida. This is the purchase price. Here are the numbers. If we find the right buyer, will we, will you be able to finance this business? And so I'll go do the numbers in like 10 minutes and I'll send it back to Patrick. I'm like, yes, we can absolutely do this. Or we put a caveat in. So then the seller knows that their business, if they find the right buyer can be financed. And that, that means that they're going to get a big check uh, whenever the loan closes from the bank um, as you know, so that's one way to do it. And then sometimes Patrick will find a buyer and he'll say, Hey, Brandon, I've got this business I'm selling and I've got a buyer. Here's the buyer's information, or the buyer will reach out and I'll pre qualify the buyer. And then all of a sudden, you already know that you have a, a business that's been pre qualified to be sold. And now you have a buyer pre qualified to buy the business. And the loan process just takes off because all parties are interested. Everybody knows that they can be financed. And then the other part that comes up, and this I can see this also happening a lot with your listeners, is that this might be the first time they hear about an SBA loan. So they might reach out and say, Brandon, You know we'd like to buy a real estate we don't know what we qualify for or we'd like to buy somebody across town or another county but we don't know if we'd be approved and so they'll come to us and essentially try to get pre-qualified without something you know actually readily available i can say hey you actually qualify for a building that's worth three million dollars if you'd like and then they know that if a building comes in at two million they can buy it and the bank will support them. That they can support acquiring another company. That's typically kind of how people will come to us and determine what they they can or can't do from a financing perspective.
2: So it sounds kind of like
0: you follow the same process when you're buying a personal property or, or taking a mortgage out. You go and get pre-approved or pre-qualified uh, with the bank. Yeah, it's that's that's pretty much it. Especially when it comes to real estate. When buying a business, it can be a little bit. I can say, hey, you'll qualify for you know, your current business is great. A lot of it's dependent upon the selling business, but it's pretty much, yeah. I mean, I can tell you with certainty, like what you will or won't qualify for.
1: Well, there's, you know, we kind of try to keep a good feel for what's going on out there. And there's no denying the the influx of of private equity money into the space. It's a trendy, it's a trendy market to be in. Patrick, what, how do these guys, is it even possible for somebody to compete against these guys that are overpaying? I mean, any advice to the guys that just want to work with, uh, you know, the guy down the street to, to work out a deal? Is it, are they everywhere? Are you, is, uh, is private equity tracking every transaction that's out there? I mean, can the, can the smaller guys compete in this acquisition? uh,
2: Yeah, absolutely. First, let me back up one thing. I just want to kind of make a point on what Brandon said. You know, I use Brandon as my secret kind of toolkit, you know? I mean, I I can get a deal pre-approved with Brandon. It's when a buyer comes to the table, I'm advertising a business. Instead of saying you've got to come with a million dollars, that you've got to come with $100,000 or $200,000, depending on what the business will qualify for. So it helps me sell businesses. And so if somebody's looking to sell, whether it's with me or on their own, Brandon's an incredible resource that they could go to ahead of time um to to get that kind of pre-approval or at least look at the numbers and say you know you need to clean this up or you need to do that or you need to do this or we feel comfortable with it so that's the first thing back on that you know there's a huge push for private equity and, and and that's all that makes the news I think um I probably get two to three calls a week from private equity firms looking um the reality in my opinion and, and Brandon could probably speak more on this but I think I think a lot of them, it's going to offend people, but kind of spreadsheet themselves to death. You know, they, they want to be in the space. They have a great uh, plan of how to get in the space and they never get in the space. And so, so I think private equity is absolutely driven prices up um, because of the threat of being there. I think there are real private equity companies that are buying heating and air companies. I think there are real private equity companies that are backing other heating and air companies as they go on the acquisition journey. Um, but most of them are looking for companies with a million dollars in net earnings or EBITDA, depending on who you're talking to. And, and the reality is there's just not that many of them that hit the market on a daily or weekly basis. So they've lowered their threshold some, but but on the smaller size companies, that's where I see somebody looking to buy. You know, a company that's making $200,000, dollars $400,000 net, to me, that's kind of a sweet spot that I really enjoy working with because often it's it's uh, it's buyers who who are looking at who are operators who want to be in the space or expand the space. And it's sellers who are just good people. They've been in the business for 20 or 30 years, supported their family, supported their employees, family, bent pillars in the community. And they have nice little businesses with what I classify as a lot of low-hanging fruit. Maybe they don't have JB warranties and, and have, have offloaded that that risk to something. Maybe they don't have a lot of maintenance agreements in place, or maybe they don't have they're not using a House Call Pro or a Service Titan or some other CRM. So there's a lot of little things in those businesses that I think a buyer can improve on and, and get a big bang for their dollar. And they're typically honest, great businesses. And so so to answer your, your question along long drawn out way, yeah, I think there really is. I mean, I think that there's certain markets that there's bigger presence and bigger buyer interest from a private equity standpoint, Atlanta, Houston, LA, you know, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, you know, these bigger, bigger metropolitan areas, um, but there's still a lot of deals to be had it, it. I probably do close to 20 deals a year on average and maybe 3 of them are private equity um, surprises I, me. A, I'm sorry go ahead
1: I just said that that surprises me
2: a little bit but that's 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 refreshing to hear actually well it's because of the size you know I mean I'm not selling a lot of companies that do $20 million a year you know I mean that's just not really where I'm at not by choice just there's not a lot of $20 million a year companies that sell and there's a lot of companies out there, phenomenal companies that do a million, two million, three million dollars a year in sales. And there's so many more of those to hit the market. And so it seems that's where I'm at. Um, I do companies, five million, ten million dollars in sales, but but not a ton. And the buyer pressure at that point is so much higher. You know, everybody in the industry knows the big names in the industry that are acquiring. And so um they're typically not buying a company doing a million dollars or $2 million in sales unless it's right down the street from another company that they already have or another brand that they have. And so I think the private equity push is real, um, but not on, not on these mid-level or smaller level companies that I seem to do a lot of. I've, I've got three deals right now, I think at Live Oak that, that we're working on together and I think the average on those is probably a million and a half in sales, maybe 2 million in sales. And, um, and so there's nothing I have right now there at 5 million or 10 million. And, um, and so that private equity, the calls I get and the emails I get that so many other companies out there get them I mean, they're they're kind of shaking the bushes themselves, um, maybe, maybe giving sellers a false hope. Uh, sometimes uh, that they're going to get pay him all these millions of dollars. And, and, and I joke about it, but nobody ever brags about the bad deal they got. So, so you hear this talk about the 10 time multiples and 20 time multiples. And just before this, I was on the call with Brandon Jacob, who uh, obviously is a kind of a pillar in the industry. And we were talking about multiples together. And we we're talking about this 10 time multiple. I haven't sold one at a 10 time multiple and and he hasn't either. And so, <laughs> So we've been close, but so you hear, you, once again, nobody's going to call me up and say, oh, I got a bad deal. It, you know, it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to brag about that. So, um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities out there for people who, who are looking for a business that makes sense for them.
1: Very interesting. Well, guys, we don't, we're no longer on the contractor side. So we're not, we're not as close always assume that we don't know as much as our our, our customers but what, what what are we not asking you that you hear a lot from contractors as far as the funding of these projects the marketing the the availability is there anything that we didn't ask that that you get asked frequently that's a good talking point here that might be
0: beneficial i think just for for those listening i know i speak a lot in bank jargon so sometimes that might you know might not come across as making any sense but really what i'd say without a bank loan if you're a company that's doing 2 million dollars in sales you're you know 15% 10% net profits if not higher um you've got a really nice company but you might have 200,000 300,000 on your balance sheet in cash that if somebody down the street wants to sell their company for 600,000 you don't want to use that cash so a conventional lender might say no, we can't give you a loan. But an SBA loan provides you the opportunity to buy bigger companies. So rather than what you thought, you could only buy the guy who has a truck, and you give him five grand up front, and you pay him commission on replacements from his customer list for three years, and then you know it pays for itself. That moves the needle a little bit, but maybe a hundred thousand or a couple hundred thousand in terms of revenue. But having a bank finance your, your acquisition means you don't just have to consider the company where it's just one or two trucks. You can look at that business. That's doing $2 million in sales. That's profitable. If a bank loan provides the cash for you to to buy it. So your ability to expand your company and your net income is greater when you have a bank financing it, especially because we're going to look at it and we're going to make sure the business can repay the loan. We're not going to put you in a difficult spot. So it's a way to charge your growth and grow your company sales, profitability, et cetera. Um, And then when you look to sell, you're going to have a more valuable entity and Patrick's going to know how to sell it and for what price. Um, So that's kind of in a nutshell, I kind of wanted to to strain it down into like what it is and kind of what bank financing can help you do. And
2: in my uh, two cents on that, I think the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is succession planning. You know, kids work in the business and want to be able to acquire the business. Maybe mom and dad doesn't want their life savings tied up in this note that the kids are paying them. Or you have great employees that they want to take over the business. You know, Brandon has opportunities and they have opportunities that they can they can finance those transactions. So take me out of the equation or bring me in the equation to help them look at from a valuation standpoint. But but Brandon's there to be able to help their son or daughter or grandchildren or key technician who's been here for 15 years. And so Brandon can, can put loan deals together. Obviously there's been requirements and things that they have to do from an income and expense and credit and all, all the other things they still have to qualify. But I'll talk to people when they first talk to come to me about possibly selling the business. I'll say, you know, your kids, any family members in it, do you have anybody that you think would be a perfect buyer that's already there? Let's start with them. Let's not go to the market. Let's not change things up. Let's start with that person and see if we can get them qualified and, and we can sometimes. And so and what an excellent opportunity to keep a business, you know, second generation or third generation, mom and dad right off into the sunset with cash in their pocket. Um, they're taken care of. And now instead of every day dad calling son or daughter saying, where's my check they've been paid and, and they're paying the bank and financing it over 10 years oftentimes. So that, that's
1: very interesting. This is a unusual, uh, and I've only been in the industry a little over, you know, five, six years, but it is unusual how many generational companies are out there where we're going and sitting in their office. And then here's grandpa, here's dad, here I am. Uh, does, is that pretty common to try to, to, uh, do you guys work with a lot of people trying to buy the parents
0: out? Yeah, that's, That's actually one of the easiest deals for us to get approved because a lot of times the kid who's buying the company um, grew up working at the company. Um, So if you have somebody who can be a successor, I think it's it might be five years away, but it's good to talk to your bank to understand because ultimately our customer is going to be the buyer. So although you've done a great job building a business that's valuable, we're going to cut you a check and you're going to be, you know, on the beach somewhere in the mountains somewhere. And our customer is going to be the buyer, that younger guy or girl who's worked at the company. So you want to understand how much money do you have to save uh, for a down payment? Because if you're a first-time buyer, you have to put money down. Or you know, can we do a partner buyout? Things like that. And make sure your credit score's up. So talking to the bank to understand what would be needed if you want to buy a company um, is really important. Even if it's like five years away, because you might have to start saving now. Because I have people that call. And they're the GM of the company and they're the whoever owns it has been gone for six years and they don't even run it. And the person buying it took it from 2 million and now it's 6 million and they want to buy the company, but now the company is worth $5 million and they don't have 500,000 bucks or $250,000 to put down because they just didn't think of it. And they're wondering how they can get it done immediately versus two years. So making sure you plan if succession planning is what you want to do is super important uh, from, especially if you want to have a bank become involved. So we're a, at J.B. Morty's, we're an ESOP. So we're, we've
1: got employee ownership uh, as of 2019. What does the process look like? And it's t- it's different than an ESOP, but if it is, you mentioned a group of employees or technicians, like maybe you've got the plumbing manager and the air conditioning manager, and they want to go together or put a group together to buy this company. Uh, is that a, lo- a lot longer of a process to get all of the people qualified? How, if they had, how would they do that? if, uh, Let's say you have like six or seven people in the business that have been there, they're tenured, and every business is going to change hands at some point. Mm-hmm. What's the process look
0: like for a group trying to put together an offer? So with an SBA loan, anybody who owns 20% or more has to be a personal guarantor. So if you have a group of like six or seven people, normally like two or three might be owning most of the company and doing most of the down payment, and they might want to give you know 5% here and there. So the people who would own like less than 20%, we wouldn't consider. And the people as guarantors, so we're not really qualifying them. We're just qualifying the ones who own more than 20% of the company. But I'd say nine times out of 10 when we do individuals buying a business it's normally like two or three people and we'll pre and we qualify them and it doesn't you know honestly it adds maybe like 15 minutes more to what i do but it's also important because you might have two really good partners and then you have one that's got a 400 credit score and three bankruptcies and i'm going to be like hey look uh you know maybe make him a 10 percent owner because we're not gonna we're probably not gonna you know qualify so that's where you have to consider it. But in terms of application, you know, I've had deals where, you know, you have the GM and the, you know, install manager and they're both like really qualified. They want to buy the company. I love to do that deal, especially if it's the one they work for. Or maybe they found one across town that they're like, hey, we know this guy's got a good business and he wants to sell and we could do a lot better there. We're going to go buy. It. That's We love to do that as well.
1: Very, very uh, useful information. I think the big takeaway from me today, just because I came into this honestly not knowing much about this, the takeaway for me is that it's doable. There are, there are, if you have a dream, there's a way to do it. You guys do nothing but talk with air conditioning and, and service contractors. Um, so I didn't know about all these options available for rapid growth. Appreciate you guys sharing your wisdom with us as always. Um, Brandon. I hope that people reach out to you. I Patrick, I assume after the first episode, some people started reaching out to you. And, 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 you know, we've just really enjoyed y'all spending time with us and sharing a little bit about what you do, but also how it can help our contractors grow because that's what we're all here to do. So, guys, I appreciate it. Any closing remarks? Yeah, tonight?
0: Brandon, what, what's the best way if people want to get that pre-qual process? Yeah. The best way is is just to, to give me, shoot me an email. My email is uh, brandon.bolin uh, at liveoak.bank, or my phone number is 910 550 2858. And just give me a call and get this, the, the conversation started. Let me know what you're looking to do. And uh, I'll know how to tailor everything to what 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 their ideas are. Great. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate it. We'll see you back
1: for part three when we're going to discuss kind of maxing out the value of the company in a couple of different ways uh, around doing that. So uh, until then, thank you. We'll see you soon. And that is the conclusion for part two of the three part series on mergers, acquisitions and acquiring competition. Appreciate it,
0: guys.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
0: All right, folks, that does it for this episode of JB Warranties Trade Talk. Thanks for listening in. If you're looking to improve your customer satisfaction, increase retention, and generate additional revenues, trust the experts at JB Warranties. Register for your premium protection plan dealer account today.